0: Hi, I'm Brandon,
1: and I'm Megan,
0: and we're on a journey to improve our marriage, our family, our faith, our fitness, well, just about everything.
1: Along the way, we might accidentally give a tiny bit of solid advice, so join us as we chat each week. Welcome
0: Welcome to to the the Fools in Love podcast.
1: Hi guys, today we're so excited to welcome Lisa Mustard to the Fools in Love podcast. Lisa is a licensed marriage and family therapist in South Carolina. For the past nine years, she's worked primarily with a military branch, National Guard. She is also a provider on Talkspace. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. We are going to be talking today about some common barriers in relationships and how to overcome them to have a better and healthier partnership. But first, before we get started, Lisa, can you tell us a little bit about what led you to pursue marriage and family therapy and ultimately? what you do today and how that came to be
2: sure I'd be I would love to share how this all happened for me because I did not intend to go into the helping professional field I did not intend (laughs) at all to do this work and when I went to college I majored in communications and public relations and this was way before we had even I think internet was just coming out I graduated college in 95 email was just like the new thing I said I will never do that and I quickly got into the world of communications, public relations, did a couple internships. I eventually moved from Richmond, Virginia to Atlanta, Georgia, where I worked for in sports marketing. I worked for the Goodwill Games. And then I moved over to World Championship Wrestling and worked there for about a year and a half and realized, what am I doing with my life? And how did I get into professional wrestling? And what is, what do I do now? And At the time, I was in my mid-20s, and I had a passion for health and fitness and wellness and decided to go back to school. I moved to South Carolina to go to the University of South Carolina to get my master's in health promotion and education. Loved that so much. Learned all about behavior change. Learned all about the stages of change. And I started to go out and have jobs. And what I realized was that so many of my clients were stuck they couldn't move through the stages of change because there were emotional issues that were holding them up or they would get to a certain point and their new behavior change. And then they would just throw their hands up and walk away. I'd never hear from them again. And I was so curious about why people get stuck and why do people, you know, where does this motivation come from? And then all of a sudden they stop. And I knew, and also at the same time, truth be told, I was going through my own stuff. I was in my late twenties, my, my boyfriend who, you know, I met when I moved here, the love of my life. I met him when I moved here, we've been dating and he ended up breaking up with me because he told me I was not a happy person to be around. And that devastated me because he's the love of my life. And I was like, I have to work on myself so I can be a better girlfriend or hopefully wife one day. And so That's what initially took me to counseling. And when I got into counseling, I fell in love with the process. Well, first of all, I fell in love with the process of having a full hour to talk about myself and just have that objective person listen to me and hear me and not judge me, but yet validate me, but yet challenge me to kind of think through my stuff. And what I discovered was that I was holding on to a lot of my stuff that had happened to me as a child. And the stuff I was holding on to as a child, I was projecting onto my relationship with him, and I was fascinated by that. And I, and now that I look back over, over all of this, I think back to when I was a kid, and I was trying so hard to understand what was going on in my family of origin, and what my parents were doing, and why were these things happening to me, and how did I fit into all of this? That is kind of started to come together for me. Like Lisa, you've always been interested in other people. I call it I'm so. I'm so interested. My husband says I'm nosy. <laughs> I've learned to bring that in over the years as a counselor. But I was fascinated by the process and what I was learning about myself that I decided to go back to grad school once again, and get my master's in counselor education. Actually, I have what we call is an educational specialist, which is like a fancy word for I have more than enough hours. I'm halfway between a master's and a doctorate. And when I I had two choices, I could go the marriage and family therapy route, or I could go the school counseling route. And I knew in my heart that I was, I wanted to help families. I wanted to help other women, other couples overcome the stuff in their, their, their marriages, but ultimately their lives that were keeping them in these behavior patterns and these, you know, relationship patterns of communication and misunderstanding each other. And so I'm just, you know, I'm fascinated by marriages and by families and, and how I got into the National Guard where I work now is I started working for them in 2001 and um, it always kind of been in my heart to work for the military and so they had a position that opened up and I jumped on it and I spent a good number of years traveling around South Carolina doing marriage counseling for soldiers and their families that were dealing with deployment related issues. The the interesting thing about the National Guard, and a lot of people don't know this, so I have to say this because I I want people to know how important the National Guard is. And not that active duty isn't important, but National Guard is different in the sense of these are citizen soldiers that during the work week look like you and me, but it's once a month, two times a month, they go and they put on the uniform and they drill. And in South Carolina, we deploy – I want to. hope I don't get this wrong – the highest number of soldiers that we were deploying were from the National Guard. Not so much from our active duty troops, but we sent a lot of our National Guard soldiers on deployment and they would come back. And reintegration issues are very different for National Guard because they go back to their work, they go back to their jobs, they don't go back to a base and they just kind of, you know, walk back onto the base. So they're kind of, it's a very different culture. And I have fallen in love with working with this population and. Nowadays, my role there has shifted a good bit, and I do some more administration and management for them. But in the, you know, the, the culture of the Guard has shifted a little bit because we're not deploying so much anymore. We still deploy, but we're not sending our troops out every couple of months. So the issues are, are, are cycling over there to be different things. So that's how I got in with the National Guard. <laughs> and then I'm also a provider on the platform Talkspace, so I can work with st- people who live in South Carolina on the Talkspace platform.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, Lisa. I mean, just to hear like, and you talk through your journey and it's it's like you've, you've been through so much, but it sounds like you've come so far and it's amazing that you can be with the National Guard now and be, like you said, it's changed over time, but be in such like a fulfilling, sounds like a fulfilling anyway, role yeah. and really be able to help these soldiers. I mean, I, I can't imagine just with me and Megan's marriage and relationship, the things we deal with. I can't imagine what those military families deal with and i think about that often when i think about those deployments and them getting shipped off and like you said and then just having to be reintegrated back into normal Mm -hmm. life like nothing happened like they didn't just experience what they experienced and that's just it's it's a really amazing thing that you're doing so i mean i i appreciate it for those for those military families and the soldiers
2: well thank you thank you so much i i really enjoy working with the population i I've um, been there so long. People always say, "Well, were you in the military?" And I say, "No, I wasn't." But they treat me like I am at times because I think, you know, when you, it's a it's a culture is very much a family culture. And once you're there, and they trust you, and they know like and trust you, they have a. So it's hard for me to go because I really do in, enjoy working for them. It's it's not like a typical agency job that I I worked prior or being in private practice. It's it's very different. But so much of what we're gonna you guys want to talk about is. I mean, it's, it's across the board for marriages. So while my expertise really, you know, kind of lies in National Guard families and soldiers, it's applicable, I think, to, you know, it, so many types of marriages across, uh, you know, across the board.
1: Well, I think that's kind of the perfect segue. So I'm just going to use your line and, and we're going to move on. <laughs> so we've been married okay. for 10 years. By this point, our congratulations! Marriage, thanks. By this point, we've uh, we've had some really good times and obviously some not so great times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know this is true of all long term relationships, but I know you've helped many couples through the rough patches, and I know that each couple has specific issues they're bringing into the marriage. Are there some common problems that seem to come up over and over as you hear different couple stories?
2: Yes, and I want to share before we jump into kind of the topics that. It's. I want to I say that what I'm going to talk about today is very much an overview. It's very much a generalization. I know that the, peop, the folks listening, some of this is going to resonate with them and some of it won't. And that makes sense. That would make sense to me if you're listening going, well, Lisa, that's not my marriage, or we don't have that problem. Because every marriage is its own unique, you know, special relationship. So I know that what I share, you, you know, some of the listeners might be like, well, no, that's not really us. But just just kind of listen for themes. And if it makes sense for you, then great. And if it doesn't, just leave it on the table and, you know, take what you need and leave what you don't. So I will, I, we kind of have a joke and not joke, but we kind of laugh about it when, when I would get up and talk to soldiers and they would always want to know like, why do people come to counseling? Why do people, why do couples come? And I would say it's three things, y'all. It's money, sex, and kids. And pretty much everybody in the room would just nod their head and go, yeah, yeah, I can get on board with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely want to say that we can break it down to a little bit more themes versus you know when it comes to money I also clump in work and career there are issues there for, fa- for couples um, when it comes to kids it's not just it's not just you know the kids coming and going it's how do how do couples parent how are their parenting styles different That's a really big one. when we talk about sex it's not just about the act of having sex it's about intimacy issues and feeling connected and then of course there's other issues that are a little bit more, Serious in the sense of there can be violence, there can be uh, domestic issues, domestic abuse, um, as well as things like addiction issues and, of course, infidelity. Infidelity is, is is a big topic in the couples counseling world. I have to be honest, though, over the years that I've been a marriage counselor, infidelity doesn't come up as much as I think people would like to think it does. It definitely is something that I have talked to couples about and they've come to counseling for. But I want to just tell you guys that it's really things like money, sex, and kids that bring couples to counseling. And a lot of the times they present with, we have communication problems. And that's kind of like the catchphrase of, I don't really know where to start, but we're not communicating and we're not getting along. Can you help us get some skills? I can't tell you how many times I've heard that people present for counseling, couples counseling, and they just want skills. And skills are helpful. Skills are so helpful. However, if we don't kind of get to the root of the issue, we don't kind of dissect what's really going on in the marriage, then the skills aren't going to do us any good. Because you're the themes of, you know, not feeling heard, not feeling trusted, maybe there's guilt or shame, those underlying themes that kind of as humans, we all struggle with. But yet when we project them into our relationships, that's where, the money, sex, and kids problems tend to kind of come in as a couple.
0: Right, right. And I know for us, I mean, like we said, I mean, even our, during our difficult times, it was always that case where it's like you might have had the tools and you might have had the know-how to know how to move forward, but there's always mm-hmm. that insecurity of having that conversation and, And it's really easy to push things to the back burner and just kind of ignore them and kind of fake it until you make it type attitude. But in our experience, that never, ever works because eventually it's always going to keep coming back out until you look it straight in the face and deal with it.
2: Oh, right. And that's usually, you know, when couples, when they are stuck, when they are stuck in couples counseling and they feel like they're not moving through stuff, it's usually that's when we have to take a step back and go, okay, what's really going on here? And that's when, you know, having those different types of conversations about feelings and about emotions and what happens to you inside when you hear him say this to you, or, you know, when you think back to how you grew up, is there a time in your life where the same situation happened, but maybe with a parent or a, a prior relationship and how did that affect you then? Because if we don't work through the stuff from our childhood or from our past, we just end up putting it on our current Everything. I mean, it's it is that is a theme that I continue. You know, we. I think all therapists would agree with you on with with me on that. Like we all see that if we don't work through our stuff as individuals, then we're going to keep projecting it into our current relationships, into our work, into our jobs, and as a parent. And you know, I'm human too. Like my husband and I, we we have our stuff. I, I think. We definitely have her stuff. If he was here, he would be nodding his head. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think what's really cool, though, about when you go to couples counseling and, and like you guys are already telling me by, I've listened to some of your podcasts and I can hear that you are doing this work internally and you are showing up in your marriage and you're testing it out, right? Like you guys are actually doing the do. And that takes a lot of courage and that takes a lot of uh, vulnerability. And I think that when you're able to be vulnerable with your partner, that is where the magic happens now when i say the magic happens i don't mean like you know sparkles and fairy dust and all of a sudden you know you guys are cured but when you are able to be vulnerable with your partner and you aren't so reactive to how they respond to your vulnerability that is where the individual can really start to blossom and live authentically because I think you even said it on your podcast about change was that you can't change other people. All you can do is change, you know, how you want to react and respond right. and move forward. And I was like, whoa, they get it, you know? So that's why, that's where a lot of the couples work is. It's finding that that in with a couple that they will talk about those things with the therapist.
1: Yeah, for sure. So let's start with money and career specifically. Is that just a, he's a spender and she's a saver or vice versa or what what's a where do people present with that like what is that right well I think there's a lot it can go so many different directions yes
2: he's a saver she's a spender she's the saver he's the spender I mean it can go in so many different directions or we neither one of us know how to save (laughs) and that gets them in trouble Uh or you know maybe maybe they both are um, both just are such great savers they don't know how to you know, maybe other, maybe that shows up in other areas of their lives, but usually it's, it's opposites, you know, but a lot of it comes from how you were raised and, and your money mindset. Like how, how did your parents view money? You know, and sometimes it's my mom viewed it this way and my dad viewed it that way. And I was just kind of confused. And so I made up my own way of dealing with money, but it's, but it's not jiving with how my partner views money. So it's, it's kind of taking that deep dive into, we'll share a little bit about your your mindset when it comes to saving or tell me about what's going on when you go out and spend a hundred dollars every time you get a paycheck because there's so much more going on underneath than well she can't save to save her life and we're in debt but you know at the same time they're the same thing with career like so many people are not happy in their career and in their work so that's the same that's a similar issue too is, but we have to have these jobs to pay the bills, but I'm not happy. And then that kind of can impact the marriage as well. Mm-hmm. So while I think there's some things that I can suggest overall, like I would always suggest to my soldiers and their, in the families, like first and foremost, let's get some financial counseling, but, but also while you're doing the financial counseling, continue to see your therapist. You can work out the emotions behind what's going on with your finances. And some programs out there probably address that. Like I've heard great things about the Dave Ramsey course. I haven't personally done that, but I've heard a lot of great things about that. You know, a similar thing with work and career. You know, there's nothing wrong with reevaluating your work. And, you know, if you're, if you're like me and my husband, we're in our 40s, we've acquired a lot of skills over the years. Is it possible to take your skill set and pivot it and do something different with it now? You know, if you're younger and you're just starting out and you're trying to figure out what it is you want to do, well, go get some career counseling. Go talk to somebody there, there's, there's inventories you can take and tests you can take. You know, there's so, there's a lot of resources out there to help you figure out what lights you up. You don't have to go through this alone. A lot of people think that, and I think that there's some, um, oh, I should know what I want to do with my life. But no, I mean, a lot of people don't know what they want to do with their lives. They're still kind of discovering themselves as they age. And I love that because as humans, we are, Um, air quotes, we are supposed to evolve and grow. So as you evolve and grow, your interests are going to change, how you view things are going to change, explore all of that, you know, but once again, if you find yourself stuck and you can't move forward in those things then definitely, definitely get some, you know, some professional help from a counselor who can help you dissect what's really going on, couple it with the financial education as well. And the, whatever it is that you need, but there's a difference between education and then there's an understanding why your behaviors are you know, why you continue
0: to do these behaviors. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think for us, it's it's like we started, I mean, we were basically like high school sweethearts. So like we are not the people we are today that we were, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And we certainly aren't even the people today that we were a year or two years ago. So I think that's yeah. probably the, one of the biggest challenges for you as well, because all these people start out and they get married and they're thinking like, they're like, well, yeah, but he's changed or she's changed. It's, and to your point, it's like, yeah, of course they've changed. They've changed right. in experience. They've changed in, you know, life circumstance. I mean, everything is molding you into the person that you are becoming or the person you currently are. And I think that's a one of the biggest challenges for you. But like, as you were talking, me and Megan are over here, just shaking our heads like, yes, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, I'll, I think it's, you guys are, you got, so you're high school sweethearts and you got married pretty, what, in your early twenties, I guess. Right. 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 Okay. So yeah, you guys fascinate me. So just personally, couples who get married, who are high school sweethearts and get married and stay married for those first like five to 10 years, you guys are special because you are doing so much growing. You are doing so much evolving. (laughs) There's, you know, it I am, I am like, because that, I mean, I say this because that wasn't me. I didn't get married until I was 33, didn't meet my future husband until I was in my late 20s. So I am just so, like, I applaud you both for doing that work and not just doing it individually as you have grown, you really kind of grown up together, but you're also making your marriage a priority. And I think that's amazing because a lot of people nowadays, they'll just take, and I don't want to say it's the easy way out because I don't think divorce is ever an easy option. I would never say that, but I think that so many couples kind of jump into marriage thinking, oh, we'll just work it out as we go. Or, you know, we're so in love and they don't, they don't think long-term. They don't think like, what's our common, our vision together as a couple? What is it that we believe in? What are our values? What are, what are our strengths as a couple? What are our weaknesses as a couple? What are our growing edges? We, so many couples don't think about that in their early twenties, but that's, that's just the way it is. Like that's, that's just human nature, you know, <laughs> it's just, right. a, it's, I guess it's really just a, a, what I notice and, and what I see. So congratulations, you guys. That's, that's amazing. Good job.
0: Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. But coupled right with that is like, as you're changing and growing and as you're figuring things out, like me and Megan did, then kids come into play. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we have yeah. two small kids. And I know that you had said kids and parenting can be a stressor for couples. Now mm-hmm. my curiosity is I know what it is for us, but is it mainly over disagreements and parenting styles or what what are you finding and again, generally speaking, what are the what are the miscommunications when it comes to parenting and kids?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of it goes into there's so many things around kids and the decision to have children and how you want to raise them and what your what your vision is for a family. Because, you know, when you get married, it's just the two of y'all and then when you start to have children, it becomes like, oh, my gosh, it's it's stressful because now you maybe there's things like, oh, now we've got to think about we need to buy a bigger house or we need a bigger car or I need to make more money because kids aren't cheap and now we need daycare. And what am I going to do for work? And sometimes women don't want to work after they have kids. And there's a lot, a lot that can happen. And this is the conversation that probably I would suggest having before, of course, you decide that you want to have children is talk about how you were parented. You know, what was, what was discipline like for you as a child? Was that, was that a good thing or a bad thing for you? Personality as well. Like, you know, um, the whole nature nurture thing, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I believe so much in it until I had children. And then I'm like, oh man, that's a nature thing right there. And so <laughs> realizing that your kids are going to come out with this personality that may not jive with yours, you know, but how do you parent with a child that is, is different from you? It, but that all goes back to how were you raised? How were you disciplined? What does it, what does it mean for you to be a mother? You know, what does it mean for you to be a father? How do you want to show up in your children's lives as that role? You know, there's so many questions that my husband and I kicked around before we decided to have children. And then some of the questions, we didn't even know what the questions were until we had them. And we were like, oh, no, now we have, you know, we didn't even think about that. So, and I also think that if parents are not on the same page when it comes to how they want to parent, that can be really stressful. In the marriage, and and so it is a good idea, I think, to definitely be on the same page about you know about how do you want to raise your children, what is important to you, do you want like as a mother, do you is it on your heart to be home with your children, and does your husband say okay, well how do we make that happen, or is he like no, you need to work because you know I, I can't be the sole provider for X Y and Z reason, you know really having those honest conversations because I truly believe that good, I say this, like good, good citizens of this world start in a family, being the best human that you can be starts the day that you're conceived, like, who who raises you, you know, who brings you into this world? How do they parent you? And even if, and that doesn't, that goes across all demographics, all SES. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like, you know, you have to have a certain amount of income to raise good children. No, you have to, you have to be, you have to be clear with who you are, And what you stand for and also meet your spouse. Y'all have to be on the same page. It's so important to be on the same page. Now there are plenty of couples out there that come in and, and they're not agreeing on parenting and they work it out. They make it, they make it okay for their family. My goal as their therapist, I don't sit there and tell them how they should parent or judge them. My goal is to help them figure out what is best for their family and what do they want for them moving forward and and how do they want their children to show up in the world. And that's a lot of freaking work. And I don't think that people realize that when they're just imagining having a baby, Absolutely. <laughs> you know,
1: or that, or that you're sitting there with a one and a half year old, like we are like, man, everything mm-hmm. we do right now today matters for his life, even though he'll never remember it. Right.
2: Right. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. But at the same time, I want to, I want to like, you know, I've been there too when, when our girls were younger. And I would, I mean, I remember just sitting there being like, what have I got myself into? What have I agreed to parenting? Like I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up to like, you know, deal with a toddler for two, you know, at two years old, I, I need to be out doing these things for my fulfillment. You know, that was my mindset was I'm fulfilled through my work. Not so much mm-hmm. through watching a toddler play with blocks, you know? So I had to do a lot of work around me and motherhood and 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 also remember that i say this a lot to myself like it's a stage and they're in the stage for a short time even though the days might seem so long like it's like that the kids have grown up and with every stage and every developmental stage i look for the joy in it you know because that's what this is about to me is is not so much like oh they're keeping me from reaching my dreams or my goals but you know, when I take a step back and look at the overall picture, I'm like, you know, this is what it's about. It's about children. It's about family. It's, it's, it's so much, yeah, career is important. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is, this is my future. You know, these are the future, and I, I want to do my best for them as a mom. And so that's kind of, like, helped me as a mom, you know, kind of keep my cool and kind of see that this is a journey, not so much like a, a sentence.
1: Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I mean the last three minutes okay. of you talking, I've been like, "Well, this is my own personal therapy session at this point." <laughs> like, needed to hear this. I get this. you. Needed to hear this. I totally get
2: you. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we talk enough about about this. I remember Megan, honestly, after having our firstborn, I remember going back to therapy with a. I went to a different therapist that time than my first, my first stint, and I just remember being like, "I'm a freaking, I'm a freaking marriage and family therapist, and I'm going crazy over here. Why can't I get my act together?" And she was such a great therapist and she, you know, and I remember she was like, can you bring your husband in? And I was like, Oh, he's not going to go for that, but I'm here. I am going, but I'm a marriage counselor. What do I? So I had this such an internal like craziness going on, but really what it came down to was it was my own stuff that I had from growing up where the way I viewed the way I viewed mothering and, and the women's roles as a parent were just so different. I grew up with a single mom pretty much and a sister, whereas I have a husband who's very involved and engaged. I could, I could ask him to do more stuff, but my own experiences as a child with my mom did everything. And I have to do that because that's what moms do mm-hmm. really threw me for a loop. So, you know, this is what I mean when I say there's stuff going on underneath that when couples come to counseling, they just come in for communication skills. And the next thing I know, this is where we're going, you know, this type of conversation. Right. And that's, it, take, it takes time for couples to feel comfortable with a therapist to go there. So I want to encourage people today who are thinking, well, do I go to couples counseling? Because I don't know if I can be vulnerable with somebody I don't know. Your, chances are you're not going to get all of this out in the first session. You know, it, it, not every couple is going to come in and lay it all out and say, well, this is it. This is where my emotional baggage is. A lot of the times they don't want to be there. A lot of the times they're just kind of you know, putting their toe in the water, dipping out a therapist, trying to check things out. Um, They don't understand what therapy is. They don't understand how counseling works or they just, you know, they don't know what to say because they've never been had a space where they feel they can talk about things. So I want to encourage people listening that, you know, if, if you're even considering it, just, just pick up the phone and call and and get a referral. And, and if the the first one you go to doesn't work out, look, there's so many of us out there, (laughs) you know, you can, you can kind of like, you can pick and choose or you can also reach out to um, maybe your doctor or a friend who's been to therapy and they can give you a good referral. That's usually where you're going to find your best referrals, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's super good advice. I know that, you know, especially with like insurance things nowadays, you can kind of go wherever you need to do because the networks are, are getting a little Mm -hmm. bit better, like being able to, I mean, you know, A million years ago, I had a certain type of insurance that you could go to like one doctor. But my insurance today, I have like, you know, basically anyone in our whole city I can go to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So much has changed. All right. Well, it had to come up sometime, right? Let's move on (laughs) to sex and intimacy.
2: Yes. Yes. Let's talk about that. And the question usually comes up, do men want it more than women? (laughs) And I'll just say, honestly, from my experience, yes. Like, that is usually what happens, what I hear in the, in the sessions is that, you know, he wants it more than me. And, I, you know, I go back to that's I think there's phases in marriages and in relationships where, you know, when you have little kids, you're tired a lot. And the last thing you want to do, I joke around and say, is get busy. Like, you just want to go to sleep. You just want to read a book. <laughs> you want to be alone, especially as moms. We have toddlers. Like, we're, we're tired of people needing us. For a snack or for a diaper change or for a glass of water, we just want to be left alone. So sometimes it, it really is like, look, I'm just tired. I need some space. And you need to figure out ways in your marriage to kind of get that spark back. And I think when the husband kind of hears that and understands, and one of the things I like to suggest to couples who are going through this is to read the book, The Five Love Languages. Because that, have you guys read that book
1: so, by Gary Chapman? So funny story, because my mom and my stepdad literally just bought us a copy of that like two days ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't started reading it because we want to read it together. But it's on the to-do cool. list yeah. for very soon.
2: Okay, good. And I like that you guys want to read it together because I, I suggest that all the time. And usually the couple will come in and go, well, she read it. <laughs> she told me this is my love language. I'm like, no, you. Ha- it really would be great if you both could read it. So good for you guys. But really, I love that book because it helps, it helps you identify how you like to be shown love. And that's not something that we think about. You know, men, most of the time, I'm just going to generalize, most of the time they like to be shown love by physical touch, intimacy. And that's cool. Like, that's how they're wired. Like, that's, that's fine. Women, we're, some of us love physical touch. That's how we are wired too. But I'm more of a, as you guys get into the book, I'm more of an um, act of service like when my husband does things for me, that's one less thing I have to do when I come home. I'm like, oh, he remembered that I I love it when he takes out the trash for me. Or he, oh, look, he bought me some flowers. That means he was thinking about me. So that kind of like warms me up a little bit more because that's how I like to be shown love. I want to be understood. Oh my gosh. So I think that that's so much of the intimacy issues is that we just don't feel like we're understood by our partner. There's also going to be, you know, some experiences that one of the partners has had growing up where there might have been some trauma involved when it comes to, you know, sex and intimacy. And that is, that is a deep thing for couples to talk about and to kind of work through. That's a really, really big one. There's also going to be just don't, they just don't feel emotionally connected. And I will say that, Nowadays, it's really easy to disconnect from your spouse. It's really easy to disconnect, not just from your spouse, but from your kids and from your friends because our phones are on us all the time. And we have so many distractions to being with other humans. As I say that, my phone just texted me from a friend. So, you know, it's like there's so many ways for us to disconnect from our partners. A lot of the time that starts, Not so much because you're on your phone all the time, but there's like a hurt in the marriage or in the relationship. And that could be like an individual hurt. Not so much the the partner did something or said something, but maybe that individual is like still dealing with some remnants of something. And so they're just not able to move through it. And it just kind of, maybe they're going through some type of depression or maybe they're dealing with some other issues and that just kind of pulls them away from their marriage and they're not able to tell their partner that. So that brings a lot of couples to counseling too. I hear that a lot. We just aren't connecting anymore or he doesn't share things with me. Usually to me, that's a sign something else is going on. And I don't want to, I don't ever guess what's going on, but you know, my brain as a counselor starts to tick off things like, okay, well, is there somebody else that they're connecting with? Is it a work related thing? Are they dealing with some type of depression? Are they dealing with alcohol issues? You know, like I'm trying to understand why, this individual has disconnected from their partner. And sometimes it's not an overnight thing. Sometimes it's like a gradual thing. It's been going on for years and the partner gets to the point where they're like, Oh, I can't take it anymore. We need to go to counseling. And that happens a lot. So for those listening, please know it's not uncommon for people to show up in counseling when they feel like they've had enough and they can't do it anymore. And it counseling is like a last ditch effort to show they tried. I would much, much rather enc- I encourage people to go before the big issues hit. So if you're starting to feel like your marriage or your relationship is just a little different or you're not understanding or maybe your spouse is starting to disengage a little bit and you you can't can't quite understand what's going on, then I would suggest going to couples counseling. And if they don't want to go, then you definitely go to individual counseling because you can learn some skills in individual counseling, learn about your own stuff that maybe you might even be contributing. You didn't even know that you're contributing. So intimacy is a really... It's a big, big topic, but it's so unique and individualized to each couple.
0: Yeah, and I, and I I mean, I have to agree from the man's perspective as well. I mean, obviously, you know, just to be completely honest, of course, you know, we want we want it more and people like to argue that men are built differently than women. And I, I think there's there's some merit to that. But one of the things I've learned is if I and I heard it one time on another podcast, but they said, like, what you want to happen at nine o'clock at night starts at nine o'clock in the morning. And really what they mean (laughs) is, you know, you should be pursuing your wife. You should be doing things. And like you said, if it's acts of service, whatever the love language is, you should be providing those things throughout the day, not just getting to nine o'clock at night and say, okay, it's go time, you know, without any kind of intimacy, because I've learned over the years that building up those levels of intimacy, having that communication, performing acts of service for Megan, making sure that I'm stepping up and making sure like things like the house are clean and I'm there helping out with the kids and I might be cooking her dinner. Like there's things that I'm doing to actively get to a place where we can be intimate later. But it always used to be when we were younger, like, well, it's that time. So it's just time to do that. And another Mm -hmm. thing I had I had heard before as well because I heard uh, Gary Chapman, who's the author of the five love languages on another podcast. And he said, what people generally do is they will show you their love language by how they're interacting Mm -hmm. with you. So like for me, I know one of my love languages is touch. So that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that I'll do with Megan. I'll come behind her and give her a hug or embrace her. And it's something that I'm showing her and in turn, it is actually my love language. So do you, do you find that like with, with your clients as well?
2: Oh yeah, totally. I love everything that you just said. I think that was amazing, amazing advice. What you just said about everything. Um, but yes, like I know. So what I, what I heard you say was, you know, that your love language is physical touch. So you show Megan, you give her physical touch. Is that what you're saying? So, Like that makes sense to me for sure. Yeah. 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 I I love that. My husband is the same way. He's a physical touch person. And I sometimes forget because I didn't grow up that way. Right. So I didn't grow up with a lot of physical touch. I knew I was loved, but I didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot of physical touch. So I have to remind myself that my husband really likes physical touch. But, and so when I remember, you know, when I actually, when I do it and follow through, it's, it's like magic, you know, it's, it's wonderful to feel connected like that. So I love what you just said. Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
1: And I, and I definitely, I hear you on that. I need to remember it a little bit more too. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And you know, it's, it's marriages. It's like, we take each other for granted so much, you know, like it's, it's, it's really nice to kind of have this discussion about what, what marriage is really about. And it's about, you know, it's about love and it's about, you know, being with somebody and about showing them that you love them. And, you know, it's, so I just, I'm grateful we're having this discussion because, I mean, I think, I don't think we talk enough about it. I really don't. So this is really, this is really cool.
1: Yeah. Speaking of things we don't like to talk about or don't talk about enough, (laughs) you had also mentioned that there's a good amount of couples struggling with issues like infidelity or addiction or even Mm -hmm. violence. I know it's a sensitive and private topic for sure, but at least on this podcast, we don't tend to shy away from the uncomfortable. (laughs) So with that said let's just start it out with, is there even hope for couples that experience this? I mean, can relationships even overcome these obstacles? They
2: can. Yes, they can, for sure. It just really depends on the couple. And it really depends on the amount of work that they're willing to invest, not just in their marriage, but in themselves. Because these issues, and I don't want to lump them all together, because infidelity can be different than things like violence. Violence is You know, there's a lot of couples that wouldn't jump into couples counseling if there is a history of violence, you know, that the person who is violent in the relationship really needs a lot of individual therapy, first and foremost, before they would do couples counseling. And that is going to be at the discretion of the therapist doing that work. It's really hard to put like, you know, just say, oh, yeah, you have violence, because what can happen is you can make it worse for the couple really is, and truly is if the person who is violent isn't aware of wh- you know what's going on with them and why they're doing this and, and how they got here then if they could be triggered by something in the session and it could just make it worse for the couple or you know so you have to be very careful with those types of clients and you have to really assess if they're ready and usually that's I would want both of the couple to be in individual counseling if they're going to do couples work around violence. And there'd have to be a lot of rules set down, a lot of boundaries that you would have to discuss because it's very serious. We don't want anybody getting hurt more. But yes, you can definitely recover from that. There's all kinds of groups out there that help with this because that is a very serious matter. Addiction is, I worked in an addiction recovery center for a little bit and I was their family therapist. And I, I really, I, I love working with addicts. I, I say that with a smile on my face and love in my heart because there's, there's a lot of, when, when people come to addiction treatment, they come in so many different stages of readiness for change and everybody comes with a different background and a different history. But I think that I have seen some family, I've done some work with families in addiction where, yes, I mean they're, they're flourishing now. They're, they're, they're thriving in their, in their marriages and they're thriving in their families. It does, it takes work. You know, the addict has to definitely, you know, be sober and be willing to continue with sobriety, get good group support. The spouse also needs good support. Al-Anon is an amazing resource for spouses who are, who are, you know, dealing with a partner who has addiction issues there's so many great resources for addiction. But yes, I mean you can you can definitely work through these things and and overcome them. It doesn't happen overnight. Excuse me. And it's never linear. It's never it's never, you know, this is the path that we take and you're gonna check all these boxes. There's gonna be relapses and there's gonna be issues and, you know, at the core though is, is that marriage, do they love each other, do they wanna work through this? Do they have the the support to do that? Those are the things that really really help these couples you know overcome their their addiction their family because it's, it's not just the addict it's a it's a family problem because there's a lot of enabling sometimes that goes on in relationships or marriages where there's an addict a lot of enmeshment there's a, I mean there's just there's a lot of stuff in when it comes to addiction and but yes there's always hope infidelity as well there's a lot out there right now on infidelity and what's going on. Um, I, I think you're, you're going to see it like in the, in social media because it's kind of a hot topic. You know, there's a lot of TV on and people are having affairs and they make it look glamorous. They romanticize it sometimes. And at the end of the day, somebody, both partners are getting hurt. Like there's a hurt going on and we have to get to the root of what has happened And some couples, you know, they can't, they can't move through it and they don't forgive and they don't move on. And that breaks a lot of marriages up, but then there's lots of marriages that are able to work through it. And I wouldn't, uh, you know, and that's up to the couple, what they want to do moving forward. They should work on what they want to do, not what they think they should do, you know, based on like what their friends tell them or what their parents tell them or, or whatever they, that's up to them as a couple, you know, what do they want to do? with this this thing that they're bringing to counseling. and I've heard a lot of stuff over the years what keeps couples together after things like this happen, what finally you know kind of seals the deal and they move on and get divorced. but oh yeah, I, I do think that you can definitely recover.
0: Wow, that's yeah, that's a lot of amazing, amazing stuff and I want to kind of shift, shift bases after getting into a lot of those super deep, very specific concerns that some might have, because I know a lot of our listeners out there are saying, as you said before, well, that's great, but that's not me. That's not me. And they want to say that might be them, but that's not me. Is there, can we talk more generally for those who maybe like, none of those are actually me? Because I know mm-hmm. so often in the world you look out and there's always this fairy tale, like, you know, you have your Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. And you have your relationship, and you're 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 never up to quite that standard of the Hallmark fairy tale sailing off in the sunset. But a lot of times you're somewhere right. in between. And is there things that we can do in general terms to improve our marriage if we don't fall into any of those categories that we were just talking about? And like, what are some steps we can take to truly improve our relationship and get to a better place?
2: Sure. Gosh. Yes. Hallmark movies. When I was younger, I think, like, teenage, early 20s, oh, I would swoon over those movies. But then, you know, you get married, you have kids, a Hallmark movie comes on, and I just, I don't even have an interest in watching it. I'm like, who are they kidding? <laughs>
1: it's I still not love life, the Christmas you know? ones.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I love the Christmas movies, yeah, because they're fun and, you know, they're, but, and they are romantic. I mean, I love a good romance, too, but I, I just have to kind of shake my head and think, I mean, personally, I'm like, Oh yeah that never happens because i you know the work i do i'm like that's just not that's not reality people and so i just have to laugh but i do enjoy them don't get me wrong um Mm -hmm. but if you i will say that nothing is perfect you know everybody says i want the perfect marriage i want the perfect relationship and perfection is a myth perfection is not you know oh, my parents have a perfect marriage no they didn't no i promise you they didn't you think they did because of maybe the the way that they wanted to be perceived but chances are, most well, perfection is actually a problem. Like Perfectionism is, um, is an issue that a lot of people come to counseling for because they have a hard time, they get, what's the word I'm looking for, like they get paralyzed that they can't change or they can't shift because they won't be perfect anymore or what will people think of them or how will they be perceived and that keeps people stuck in evolving. Even if they want to evolve, they just they have that perfectionism that they can't move through. So what can I share about, about just marriage overall? And I would say, have to you know, talk to your spouse, like use let them know what's going on with you. And if they don't get it, or they have a hard time understanding you, then go get some individual counseling. There's nothing wrong with going to counseling and just having that, that person sit there and go, I understand what you're saying. And they validate you and they tell you, yes, I, I hear what you're saying and I hear that it's a problem for you. And I hear you want different in your life. I hear you want more in your life, or I hear you want X, Y, and Z to be different. So go and have, have that support system there. And then what you learn in counseling, you can come home and apply to your marriage. I think that's probably the most general advice or things that I could say. Now, if you find yourself just not happy in your marriage, and you feel like you should be happy because you've got all this, you've got the house, you've got the job, you've got, everything looks great, but yet you're still not happy, go to counseling, go figure out what it is that's keeping you from living a happier, more authentic life. There's so many things that are going on that sometimes we don't even realize are happening. And those feelings that we all experience because we're humans, we're fearful or we're fear we're fearful of something maybe we have some shame that we're still dealing with maybe we have guilt about something that happened there's so so much you have sadness that you're not processing maybe you're grieving something those things are going to keep you from living an authentic life and keep you from probably feeling fulfilled and loved in your marriage even though your husband could tell you all the time he loves you, cares about you, you're just not able to accept it for some reason, then counseling, I would go to counseling and and talk to somebody.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that it definitely pops up. Like if it's personally, if you're struggling personally, it definitely affects that and you need to do something Mm -hmm. about that before it continues to grow. If you're not going to go, to counseling, or maybe there's not a big enough issue that warrants, you know, in somebody's mind, like, oh, I should probably go to counseling. Are there ways to work on your relationship at home as a couple? Are there Mm -hmm. things to do to get your relationship, which might even be good to like an even better place?
2: Sure. Well, I think, you know, the book I I mentioned earlier, The Love Languages by Gary Chapman, that's such a great book, that that will help you kind of take a step back and identify maybe why you and your spouse aren't connecting maybe because you're just not sure how to show each other love anymore. I really like that book. And it, there's some, there's, it goes, there, it's more than just that, but it's a great book. It really does help a lot of couples kind of get that bigger picture of kind of getting out of the minutia and just looking at it. Like, well, how does he like, cause at the end of the day, we all are just want to be loved. I'm convinced we all just want to be loved. <laughs> and if we can we can learn how our partner likes to be shown love, then half the battles is won. And if they're doing that work to learn how to show you love, then there you go. Another, another therapist out there that I really like, and his name is John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. And he has written, he's done marriage research. I'm fascinated by him and what he has done. He has a, I think he still has it. I'm not sure if he still has it. He has what he calls the Love Lab out in Washington where he study. But he has studied couples and relationships over like 20 years and what he can predict by watching a couple interact, if they'll stay married or get divorced. And it's fascinating. And what he's looking for are a couple things and how they communicate with each other, how they talk to each other, how they bounce back from arguments. So he, he has some great research out there and some great books, John Gottman, any of his books, you can find them online. He's, he's absolutely amazing really like him. And I'm trying to think if there's another one that I would recommend. Well, there's, there's a very po- – she's kind of popular right now. Her name is Esther Perel, P-E-R-E-L, and she does a lot of work around infidelity and intimacy. And she, I believe she even has a podcast, and she kind of goes a little bit more in-depth, and she talks about cases that she's worked with over the years and how she works with couples. So you can listen to some of her work, and she gives some good information as well. But – I would say if, if counseling isn't in your budget or it's not something that you're ready to pursue, you know, if you find somebody, if, you know, at your, let's say at your church or at your synagogue or, or wherever you go, you know, there's, there's usually some type of support there. If, if that's the place that you frequent, and you can get some good support there. You can even go online. You know, I'm a provider for Talkspace. And at first I was a little unsure I could do counseling online, but it's a really great resource for, for people who can't get away for a weekly 15 minute session with a therapist. You know, you can do it on your phone. You can do it over a uh, virtual chat and it's great. That's another resource as well. Talk space. I really think highly of their platform and, and how that has turned out.
0: Yeah. You know, what's amazing to me too is, and I, I, pretty sure you said it earlier as well when we were talking, but it's just talking and being vulnerable and being open with your partner. I think it's easier said than done, especially for a lot of the men. I know for me personally, I've grown into a place where I'm completely comfortable clearly even talking on a podcast about my feelings and vulnerabilities. But I can imagine that men in general, especially a lot of the military men, not that I want to, Mm -hmm. you know, put put it out there, but do you find men have more struggles just opening up? Because I feel like the biggest way that you could really improve and improve from home, if you can't, like you said, if you can't afford it or you're not like able to do anything else, just opening up and having an honest, open communication, I think is key to any marriage anyway.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Just having a good support system is helpful for many, many people. And I think that's a lot of the times where people find themselves in counseling is because they, they don't have a good support system. They don't have, you know, um, a buddy or they don't have a, a sibling or a cousin or somebody that they can just call and talk to and, you know, have that support and not be judged and be allowed to be vulnerable with. There's a lot of the times they don't have that person in their life. And I will, I will agree with you. Like being vulnerable is, so many, And I think especially in the military league, like, what I've noticed over the many years is that they're trained to avoid being vulnerable in all areas. They can, there can be no vulnerabilities in their line of work. The mission comes first. There can be no vulnerabilities. So when they come home and they're going through this reintegration process and they're home and they're with their families and they're, they're like trying to shift back into being that civilian, they're trying to shift back into being the family person they don't know they're afraid to be vulnerable because that exposes weakness. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat with soldiers and said, no, this is where you need to be vulnerable because this is where the work is. When you, when you are vulnerable, when it comes to this, this is, this takes courage. Like it takes to go overseas. This is a different type of, of uh, mission. You know, your, your mission has shifted. So vulnerability, while scary, as a day is long, that's really the key to, to getting what you want for your life is opening up and being vulnerable. It's being vulnerable with the right people for sure, because if we're vulnerable with the wrong people, it can come back to bite us because, and we're, and so many of us are fear, fearful of that. Like that's, that's so, so that's why I say going to counseling, if you don't have those people in your life to support you is great because you can be vulnerable in that space with that therapist and they can, they can hold that space for you.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think that puts us in a pretty good spot to wrap this up. But first, if there is anyone listening that wants to learn more about what you do or how you may be able to help mm-hmm. them through a rough time in their marriage or other relationship, how can they find you?
2: Sure. Well, I have a couple things going on. I'm about to actually launch my own podcast. It's going to be called The Therapy Show. The Therapy Show will be for mainly for other therapists who are looking to learn what's going on clinically in the world of different topics, different issues, but also it's going to share what it's like to be a therapist. And so anybody can listen to the podcast and get some good insight and some hopefully get some good help if they need it. I am only licensed to work with people in South Carolina. So if anybody listening is in South Carolina, you can find me on the Talkspace platform for sure. You can request me through Talkspace. And also I do have a, I have two Facebook pages, Lisa Mustard change agent, where I share all kinds of different stuff about like change and motivation, fitness, health. I love those things as well. I'm still in that world. And then also I have my podcast page, the the therapy show coming out and my website, lisamustard.com. You can find me over there as well.
0: Lisa, thank you so much. You've been so amazing, and we loved having you on. And I know listeners are going to go away with a lot, and I know we did as well. So thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Oh, my gosh. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful that we connected.
1: And congrats on the new podcast, too. I can't wait for it to come out. Thank you. We do. Thank you
0: hey thanks for tuning in another show of fools and love podcast if you like what you heard please subscribe to our podcast or follow us over on facebook at fools and love podcast or hit us up on instagram megan's at this average mom and i'm at brandon giggling we'd love to hear from you over there talk soon